Real-Time Robotics with Robohub, the podcast for news and views on robotics. And welcome to the Robohub podcast. Today, we hear from Luca Colasanto, Senior Robotic Scientist at Real-Time Robotics, about real-time motion planning, which allows adaptation to dynamic, complex and ever-changing environments. Although motion planning is a well-studied topic in robotics, algorithm structure and computation complexity have been limiting its use in real-time applications. Real-Time Robotics is a company focused on accelerating conventional motion planning through optimization of the software to the hardware to allow safe use of robotic tools in work areas with humans. Luca spoke to our interviewer Kate about Real-Time Robotics' fast motion planning technology, including key aspects such as perception, algorithms and custom hardware. Hello, welcome to RoboHub Podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is uh, Luca Colasanto. Uh, I have a PhD in uh, humanoid robotics and I'm uh, currently a senior uh, robotics scientist at uh, Real-Time Robotics. Cool. Can you tell us about Real-Time Robotics? Sure. Uh, Real-Time Robotics came out of uh, research at uh, Duke University. Uh, the four founder, two students and two uh, professors, uh, uh, they demonstrate that um, the, the potential of uh, using customized hardware and software in order to solve motion planning problems. And uh, in 2017, uh, our CEO uh, joined uh, the group, uh, Peter Howard, and uh, since then uh, we are uh, full activity in, uh, in Boston. Cool, very interesting. So um, to give us a little bit of a background, can you tell us, can you give us an overview of motion planning and how is it important in robotic applications? Certainly. So motion planning is basically the process of uh, um, figuring out what's uh, the best way to move a robot from its current location to a desired location without hitting anything on its way. So you can imagine how this uh, problem is important because every time a robot is uh, doing something useful for us, uh, he, he is related with motion somehow, either if it's a robot uh, in, a, in an industry, an industry just moving parts on his way, or he's uh, an autonomous vehicle that is driving us from home to, uh, to the office. Uh, everything is related with motion when we talk about robots. So this is a very important component in any robotic application. And um, what we want from, from the motion planner, one of the main features that we want a motion planner to have is being able to be fast, compute this motion as fast as possible. Can you elaborate on what type of computation is involved? How has it been done traditionally? Sure. So um, traditional motion planner, uh, they um, execute uh, all of the computation uh, of, uh, for, uh, of generation of this uh, trajectory, of this motion during runtime. 
and um, uh, the bottleneck of this process is uh, mainly uh, the collision check, the collision avoidance. So collision check uh, uh, is when we basically uh, see if our motion uh, uh, will generate into an impact with other objects, with humans, with everything is around the robot. Intuitively, it's a very simple process, process, right? So if I see a couple of mugs on a table, I can intuitively have an understanding how to move my arm in order to reach this object. And also, technically, it's uh, also pretty intuitive because it's based on geometry. Engineers love geometry. They know how to manipulate uh, numbers and... uh, However, this process is a very heavy, uh, computationally heavy. Even uh, a fast computer might take a few milliseconds, few seconds actually, to, to compute the, the motion that is required for the application. Uh, instead, our technology follows a little bit a different approach, kind of uh, embed all this uh, uh, computation effort more on design time, in order that on real time we can be faster and we can achieve the goal quicker than a traditional way. I see. So what happens during design time? So um, let me follow, I mean, let me explain you step by step sure. what's, uh, what our technology does. So let's imagine we have a robot mm-hmm. and uh, we start uh, pre-computing uh, all possible motion that the robot can execute. Mm-hmm. So we are talking about hundreds of thousands of uh, possible motion. And at the design time, For each of these motions, we compute the volume that the robot will occupy during the execution of the motion itself. Mm -hmm. So we create a big library of all this volume that we embedded in our uh, uh, microcontroller. Then during uh, uh, runtime, we uh, uh, we perceive the environment, we have uh, cameras that detect uh, where obstacles are, and we kind of uh, match this uh, volume that are occupied by object with uh, um, the library of uh, volume that we have pre-computed in the, at the design time. Then uh, uh, the, when a match occurs, it means that the, the, the motion that we are considering it will collide with the potential object. We just remove this motion from the list. And then in the end, we end up with motion that are collision-free. All the remaining after this process of this analysis are just collision-free. And these are the ones that we are looking for. From this point on, it's just stitching this motion one next to each other in a, a continuous way in order to find the best path from origin to destination of the robot. I see. So it's a one big problem broken down into a series yeah. of problems. And because of the pre-compute design time, it allows the fast speed in real time. Correct. Interesting. So I imagine that's also quite particular to certain applications. Um, uh, most, what are the current applications that your technology has been used for, and how are they different in terms of amount of time to calculate the big library, etc.? So the application of our technology are really endless. Uh, as I was saying before, I mean, like motion plan is already a component that is there in any application that involves robot. And um, our technology allows to um, kind of uh, um, execute a traditional application that uh, are currently solved in another way, in a faster and more efficient way. However, what is more interesting for me is also that uh, uh, due to this uh, real-time motion planning, now we can uh, um, 
enable new applications that before were not possible. For instance, um, now we can have a, a human closer to the robot simply because by uh, computing our motion in the space of milliseconds, we're kind of pretty close to a reaction time of humans. Mm -hmm. So we can imagine also having a robot finally next to a, a, a human and working together. This kind of uh, capability are uh, not developed yet outside, but uh, our technology definitely enables that, and uh, we can find uh, application in any, anywhere, uh, food industries, uh, pharmaceutical, and also the traditional one like uh, uh, manufacturing uh, and all the industrial tasks. I see, cool. Um, when working with humans in that application, do you imagine the, the safety tolerances must be higher or um, would that uh, change anything from the algorithm side? Well, I mean, the, the algorithm, it's um, fast enough to guarantee any dynamic change of the environment. Uh, uh, and this dynamic change can be a human's moving mm -hmm. as well as object. Any kind of uh, difference is happening there is kind of captured in time and there is a, always a prompt response to that. Uh, I think that uh, probably the, the last challenge of having humans uh, working uh, with, uh, with robots is more like showing also, uh, I mean, helping the, the user to understand what is the behavior of the robot and kind of to anticipate when a human interacts with another human, there is a kind of handshake there, there is like an, a mutual understanding. Robots are still not in daily life, uh, in the daily life of, of people, so there might be some time, uh, you know, to kind of learn how to use this tool and how to include this machine in the, in the everyday life. So we definitely need to do a work in the sense of making this technology easier for the user and the human itself has to kind of be more receptive and try start to accept more humans in right. I mean sorry more robots in the daily activities. I see. Yeah, those are it's very interesting answer with a number of topics I like to elaborate on. So first of all, you mentioned uh, the idea of collaboration. So maybe human and robot entirely collaborating were not quite there yet. But as I've seen in some photos and videos, you guys have uh, multiple robots using fast motion planning working together. How do they collaborate in that sense? Or do they plan out their own individual safety bubbles and avoid collision in that case? That's a very good question. So, um, for instance, in the demo that is uh, public on our website, uh, um, it is like a pick-and-place application uh, when uh, we have, a, as you mentioned, two robots kind of uh, um, performing a task that consists in empty a box, and the box is shared between the, the two robots. So uh, there is a certain level of uh, uh, collaboration between these two robots because the task of one robot may be in, uh, in collision or in conflict with the, the specific task that the other robot is executed. So at the moment the robots are quick enough to kind of uh, uh, perceive each other and kind of uh, uh, replan always their mutual path in order to avoid each other. So there is a very low level uh, um, information that we pass in terms of high level like to uh, determine who has uh, maybe higher priority respect to the other one. But the, the motion itself is just happening uh, at real time, it's not pre-planned, it's just executed, as, as you see. And in that demo, uh, I found very interesting to see how 
you know, robot can quickly interact with any change of the environment. In, uh, and the demo you mentioned is really interactive. You can, you can stick your arm inside of the two robots and the two robots will just avoid each other. Right. Interesting. So you mentioned that they could have an uh, internalized priority of which robot may uh, go first. What about in terms of different um, priorities the robot's thinking about? I imagine safety is the first thing, but at different phases of planning, would you prioritize uh, speed over um, other aspects? Well, I mean, uh, the, the speed is definitely a, an important factor we consider. Uh, as you can imagine, this is also what is uh, requested from any uh, industrial uh, application, right? Everything is in terms of doing the motion as fast as possible. So this is a variable that we always try to maximize. Okay. And uh, as well, uh, we can add uh, as uh, uh, extra constraint uh, uh, specific for the different application uh, other, uh, other constraints like uh, uh, maybe uh, we want to maximize the space inside of the box that we want to explore. So maybe we can add extra constraint, like try to keep the two, uh, the two uh, hand, the two tools of the robot as far as possible or as close as possible. This is more a kind of configuration that can be requested, is exposed to the, to the user, and the user can configure according to the specific task that we are executing. I see. So different uh, objectives and constraints can be configured for different applications using the same common platform technology. Exactly. Cool. It's very exciting. Um, So previously, you also mentioned that real-time robotics is a mix of innovation on software and hardware level. Um, Are there any, on the high level, could you describe the innovative um, process, uh, hardware innovations that allows fast computations? Sure. So as I I mentioned before, I mean, the... um, the way how we achieve so interesting performance at the end is a, a really a co-design of a hardware and software, uh, and uh, more specifically co-design of the um, algorithm, the motion planning algorithm inside the, the, the processor. So um, the first way how we do that is by uh, pre-computing our motion and embedded in our custom hardware. And this is, of course, uh, basically reduce the computational effort at runtime and allow us to achieve a faster uh, performance. Uh, at the same time, the hardware itself has been uh, uh, completely customized. So the uh, design of the processor and all the electronics around it has been optimized to perform this kind of uh, um, comparison that I was describing before, when you have a library of volumes and you have to match it with the current volume occupied by objects. So the entire electronic has been customized for this specific operation. it's a mix between a strategy, novelty in the strategy, mm-hmm. and as well as a very hard customization of the hardware. Okay, cool, interesting. Uh, speaking of application and customization, another very hot topics in general that's growing in robotics and um, it's machine learning and data-driven type, types of methods. Uh, imagine, do you see any interface between that with motion planning and how that may per- enhance particular applications? So um, we um, currently uh, real-time has two products, uh, which is uh, uh, RapidPlan and RapidSense. So RapidPlan is our core motion planning uh, product. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, which handle all the uh, computation of motion and uh, uh, execution of the motion itself. Uh, RapidSense is our perception product. Mm. Uh, in order to having uh, this uh, quick reaction to a fast changing of the environment, you need, uh, as you can imagine, cameras that are looking at the, mm -hmm. at the scene, what is happening in the workspace. And there is a lot of uh, algorithm there that is running and um, the customer can have his own perception stack or can use our perception stack which is embedded in the, the RapidSense uh, product. Um, using RapidSense product of course gives some advantage there because this technology has been designed to work specifically with uh, the Rapid Plan uh, motion planner. And on the perception side, there are some, uh, there is uh, some, uh, um, the, the algorithm that I use it to uh, adjust, uh, for instance, for calibration or detecting uh, the best camera position in order to cover as much as we can in, uh, in the scene. And um, uh, these are algorithms that uh, might require some artificial intelligence there. Um, they might require some uh, um, uh, machine learning in order to optimize the way how the system see and perceive the scene where the robot is uh, operating. I see. Yeah, very interesting. So planning or executing this motion of um, robot trajectory is a big problem from sensing to uh, optimization to carrying it out on custom hardware. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, the, the perception is, uh, is one of the um, main components to, to take care of, yeah. Cool, very fascinating. And um, so previously we talked about um, human collaboration and uh, human adapting ad adaptation of this technology and robotics in general. Um, I know you guys also have some work on autonomous driving. Where do you, where, how does that fit into the big picture of the company. Sure. So um, at the very abstraction level, we can say that uh, an autonomous vehicle is nothing else than a robot with two wheels. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there is not much of a difference there. Um, and uh, the problem that we are trying to solve, motion planning, uh, it still looks the same, right? We have an initial uh, location, we have a desired location at the end, and we want to find the path between mm -hmm. these two locations right. that doesn't hit anything and doesn't interact uh, and uh, generate any damage uh, for the robot, for the environment, as well as uh, human beings crossing there. Um, Saying that, there are also some differences there compared to the motion planner that we have in a traditional fixed-base robot. For instance, a, an autonomous vehicle that keeps switching between lines might create some discomfort for the rider. Or also speed is something that needs to be carefully considered when we are in the AV domain. Um, the dynamics of the vehicle uh, might have a, a bigger impact of, of the decision of the best route to, to, to plan and to execute. Um, there are also other uh, um, differences that might help our job. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, the motion planner for uh, uh, autonomous vehicle is uh, generally dimensionally smaller, so it's uh, a 2D problem. While uh, the robot, the simplest robot in industrial environment, has to cope with the six joints of so six degrees of freedom. 
uh, then we can gain something out of it. So since the problem is uh, numeric, I mean, it's dimensionally smaller, we can probably do motion planner faster. There are less variables to, to, uh, to optimize, so we can solve it in a, a smaller amount of time. And now we can leverage that. Since we, are, uh, we can solve it faster, we can probably run uh, the, uh, the motion planner in parallel multiple times in order to overcome some uh, uh, uncertainty that you have on the road. So uh, reclosing the gap, if there is a bicycle, the bicycle reacts with a different dynamics with respect to a car. And we can imagine how to run uh, motion, multiple instances of the same motion planner at the same time in parallel in order to uh, kind of having a predictive behavior there and going closer to a safer solution, which is definitely more uh, uh, important in, uh, in, a AV, uh, in the AV domain. So real-time at the moment doesn't have uh, a product yet in AV. Uh, currently we have uh, some simulation work that already shows some uh, very good performance and we are in deep with the discussion with the company to having uh, a proof of concept uh, integration for them. I see, cool. Yeah, I guess related. So one of the perhaps main uh, differences that I'm hearing with autonomous driving applications versus the traditional pick and place applications is that there's you cannot build a pre-library of the potential space and everything has to happen in real time. Is that correct? Uh, yes, definitely, because uh, the, um, probably in a, in a traditional fixed-based robot, uh, you have uh, less uh, dynamics there mm -hmm. of the object, yeah. while uh, you need to be uh, more careful on the AV domain. Right. Uh, one solution uh, would be uh, kind of having a predictive behavior of the object, of the obstacle that are on the road. So, um, for instance, if you, uh, um, if you uh, the dynamics of a bicycle is mm -hmm. definitely different from the dynamics of, uh, of a car. They have different speed, they have a different capability of steering left and right. So uh, one solution might be just uh, uh, being able to anticipate the uh, behavior of this, uh, of this object. So you, you see an object, you identify which kind of class this, uh, this um, uh, entity on the street belongs to, and then you can kind of uh, anticipate uh, his, uh, his behavior and find probably the best route that uh, minimizes the interaction with, with those agents on the, on the route. Right, cool. Uh, I guess looking ahead, where do you envision this field in about five to 10 years? Well, I think uh, that um, in five, ten years, we will have uh, much more uh, uh, coexistence of robots with humans. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, that uh, in five years, definitely robots will be uh, sharing, at least sharing the same space with, uh, with humans, if not uh, fully collaborate in a cooperative fashion. Mm -hmm. And um, definitely having uh, uh, the capability of cope with facts fast changing of the environment definitely uh, help towards this goal. Cool. Um, and what are some remaining like roadblocks preventing from achieving this vision currently? You mentioned one of the things maybe humans' reluctance to immediately adapt as a society. 
Well, I don't think there are any major roadblocks uh, yet uh, okay. left. Um, historically, the roadblocks were uh, a lack of uh, planning the motion uh, fast enough. And uh, the second one was a limitation of the vision and the perception capability of the system. Well, we, I think there are a lot of products out there to solve the perception uh, uh, problem. And uh, there is basically a new 3D camera every, every couple of years. So um, there are some solutions that works. Uh, motion planning is getting faster and faster and uh, our technology already achieved uh, some, uh, um, it's, it's almost matching uh, human capability, human reaction capability. Um, again, uh, the only problem uh, I think needs to be solved is more uh, um, from the robot perspective, having this technology simpler and simpler for the user mm -hmm. to be used and uh, human being able to kind of uh, accept these new tools in their life. Very interesting. Multidisciplinary um, challenges and steps. Next Definitely. Step. Cool. Uh, finally, I'm interested in your like personal path to robotics and what brought you here to real-time robotics. Yes, so I grown up, you know, watching uh, cartoon and movies about uh, robots and humanoids robots uh, moving around, helping uh, humanity. So this is definitely something that uh, let grow uh, my interest towards uh, robots and everything is related with uh, this kind of technology. And after growing up, uh, I found also another. Uh, personal interest. I'm, I'm passionate about traveling, uh, moving around and uh, interacting with different cultures and uh, different people. And uh, working in tech is, uh, is very good at the moment, allow you to travel and uh, working on such a cool tech, uh, tech project. And uh, this has been like the, the two mainstream in, uh, during my career and my adult life. And um, when I heard about uh, real-time, I, I talked with uh, our CEO and he convinced in five minutes that this was uh, the right uh, professional step as well, uh, the right career step for me. And then I jumped jump in it and uh, I'm very happy about it. Cool. Would you have any advice for students who may be interested in this career direction? Sure. Uh, study, study, study. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, definitely, uh, PhD helps a lot. Uh, I'm very happy of, uh, of being uh, having a PhD, and uh, kind of helps you to having uh, to always keep a more diverse uh, uh, view on problems. Uh, PhD is a period uh, that you dedicate when uh, that you have in your life when you can really take a technological problem and uh, be passionate about it, see how the passion increases day by day, and it is your work. I think it's an amazing experience and uh, it's worth it just for it. But it also helps a lot during uh, the rest of your career. So uh, my suggestion is be curious studying a lot <laughs> and uh, never, uh, never stop in front of uh, difficulties, uh, try to always achieve, uh, achieve the result, uh, the, next, the next goal that is in front of you. Thank you. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you again, Luca. This is all the time we have, and I really appreciate you sharing both technical details and personal insights. Thank you. Thank you very much.
And that's the end of today's podcast. As always, simply go to robohub.org forward slash podcast for more exciting episodes, news and views about robotics. And if you have any feedback for us here at the RoboHub podcast team, we're always happy to hear from our listeners. Whether it's a suggestion for an interview topic or interviewee, a question about one of our episodes, or if you'd like to get involved in the podcast, simply email our president, Audro, at audro.nash at robohub.org. And we'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Real-Time Robotics with RoboHub, the podcast for news and views on robotics.